everybody it is march 21st we are officially in spring in 2016 and we are your co-host bill that's me and nancy happy spring happy spring burns and we are broadcasting on future theater live from the banks of primrose creek in beautiful downtown Sulbury village pennsylvania on psn radio and the dark matter digital network and our producer with us tonight is Angel Espino. Hello. Say hello, Angel, to all the folks out there in Future Theater Land. Hello, folks in Future Theater Land. Hello, Angel. And also with us tonight, I might add, uh, we have our own Chris Brown, who is in the background, but he's here. Hi, I'm Chris. Here. I'm hey, here. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. Doing? And tell us who our guest is tonight. Our guest is Tom Jensen. And uh, yeah, he's out of North Dakota, right there in old North Dakota. I think he's not far from from Fargo, and he's going to be talking about his encounter that he had as a fireman. Uh, and uh, well, I won't get too much into it. He'll talk about that, and I would talk about what it's actually led to what all he's doing now, which is well. If you if folks go to our website, thefuturetheater.com website, uh, folks will see. Tom's models of yep. extraterrestrial craft, or let's put it this way, of flying saucers. We don't yeah. know if they're extraterrestrial or not. They could be intraterrestrial if you're listening to Maximilian de Lafayette, who says they come from inside the Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he may not be the best authority. I want to also say hi to Tom, who is, in fact, on the line. Um, it's hard for me to pretend he's not because he's on a video uh, type of Skype. So hi, Tom. I'm waving. Hi, Nancy. How are you? I see you perfectly. Isn't this weird? The future video phones. <laughs> You're very brave to turn your video phone on. But um, if it's okay with you, we always have a kind of a crazy little chat before uh, we start seriously delving into uh, your topics. And so if you will indulge us, um, I wanted to bring up a, a, you know, a topic that has nothing to do, or does it, with UFOs, if that's okay with you, Tom. That's well, you'll be seeing a lot more of them if this topic is what I think it is. Yeah, see, now join in, Tom, if you have any interest in this topic. And, in fact, I'll use you as the universal guy. And the topic is that the state of Pennsylvania is making itself the 24th medical marijuana state. Yay! I can't believe it. It's like a dream come true. So I throw that out there. And, this was uh, a bill. This was a bill initiated in the Pennsylvania Senate, passed by the Senate, passed by the House, and will be signed by Governor Tom Wolf. Yeah, and Tom Wolf, Governor Wolf, is the one who tweeted. Uh, it was kind of a joke. It was on um, March fifteenth. Uh, The House of Representatives had just passed the bill by a humongous margin. Uh, The Senate had already passed it. And so Governor Wolf tweeted, uh, he he showed a photo of the Capitol all in green because of St. Patrick's Day. But he said it was because the bill had passed. 
So he's very much for this bill. So it's very much going to happen. And which when you means read the bill, it is going to raise. It, it, it is. I mean, this is not going. This is not going to be cheap pot. Let me tell you. Really. This, the state, the state, uh, basically has its, 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 its steam shovel dipper, right into the money pot because um, it, it is. Well, let let me yeah. Let me first find Angel. What do you think of this? Did you know about this? I had no idea, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I think pot's going to be legal statewide, nationwide. In yeah, the next I really years. think but so. It, I think you're but, right. But Angel, I think you're absolutely our, right. In our very that's, short... That's the, road, that's the road we're heading into, clearly. Yeah, but I never thought... I had no idea that Pennsylvania was this far along. Do you have any idea if Florida oh, yeah. is also moving well, I mean, along? Yes. Yeah, the next election, they're going to put, uh, put it back on the bill. So, I mean, if... Uh, if there's any time that it's going to get legalized here in Florida, it's going to be in this next election. We missed it by two percent of a vote. Uh, wow. And then, and then, where does Rick Scott stand on? Where does Rick Scott stand on that? I oh, mean, he's, he's pro, like reactionary to everything. He's pro pro legalization, I believe, at this moment. Yeah, he is pro. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. funny. A lot well, of people coming around. Think, a lot of people coming there's around. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of changes <clears throat> that I noticed with this one. For example. Um, Unlike New Jersey, this one is uh, all all counts seem to have it moving speedily along. But more interestingly, um, when Oregon passed its um, its uh, first its medical marijuana law, the only marijuana they allowed was what what people call flowers, and flowers are the the buds um, that are full of um, um, CBD and THC, the flowers. Right. And they didn't allow anything else when they first started. And weirdly, so weirdly, Pennsylvania does not allow flowers. And it right, does exactly. not. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it does, does not. Yeah, and it doesn't allow edibles, which is mind blowing. That's weird, yeah. But it will. Yeah, but it will allow three things, and I only remember two of them. Uh, two of them. One is oils, and the other okay. is pills. And I don't okay. remember the third thing. I, I'm, I have to go look it up. Well, what could it be? Dealing with a, a cancer patient recently in my life, uh, I know the pills are definitely uh, in high demand uh, nationwide. I mean, you know, they do a fantastic job in well, what are they? Get, uh, there's the, there are cannabis pills. Uh, what they do is they, they have one called Marinol. Marinol. Yeah, Marinol was to my mother when she lost her appetite. Uh, they were giving the marinol pills the last uh, couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, no, but I think I think you're wrong. I think marinol is I think marinol is the fake marijuana that was no, made no, no, by no, the no, government. No, no, failure. no, 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 no. It, no, no it's uh, it's marijuana pills. We looked into it. Hmm. Because marinol was a big scandal in that it made people sick. It's just like any other pharmaceutical. You take out one thing out of a out of a, a, a symphony of chemicals, and you somehow feel that you take out the one thing, and it's going to somehow be okay. And it's not okay. It's um, so that's so the pill part. I don't understand. That's why you it's, know it's, it doesn't it's a little oil inside the pill. That's all it is, uh, and it's. Uh... CBD. I mean, it's pure CBD. They, they take mm -hmm. out the THC. That's so you're getting the CBD uh, ingredient instead of the THC. So they're not going to get right. High so off it's, it's a non hallucinogenic. Right. It's a non hallucinogenic pill. Right. 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 And the, and the Pennsylvania law um, seems to be heavily tilted toward uh, a child, uh, children in general. Uh, but a child had died who had that been seeking. The, that was yeah. That was one. That's one of the reasons for the urgency of this law, because there, were, because there was a child who died 
because um, the drug was illegal, and it was the only drug that relieved this child's very severe um, epilepsy um, symptoms, Mm -hmm. convulsions. And if you look at the law, which is now online, if you look at the law, epilepsy and convulsions are right at along with cancer. They're right at the tops of the conditions of the two most uh, uh, per, uh, used to, to get it prescribed for is cancer and epilepsy. But wait, there's more. There, there were 15 ailments, and the number, and number 15 was, and I wanted to bring this up, number 15 was diabetes, which is very interesting at the end of the day, and I'll tell you why. Diabetes, mm-hmm. diabetes is not something that I've ever read that marijuana will help. And that is no. so odd. I never have either. Yeah. I mean, I know it does help for a couple of reasons which are elaborate and I don't need to go into. But now that it is going to be legal in the state in which we live, um, we are planning possibly to do a kind of a grandparent's book on how to use it uh, if possible. Because I believe that then, this is where I wanted to ask Tom, I believe there's a huge audience of people who have no idea about this stuff and why is it suddenly getting pushed and I think it'd be really important to explain to people why this might be good for you to try and uh, you know there's still a lot of culture maybe maybe Tom might be able to identify but there's still a lot of culture out there of people who who really don't like marijuana and don't want anything to do with it maybe because of past things that have happened in their life and stuff and well my brother's one of them and so he just really has a real issue with it. And so some people yep. start like that, you know? Yeah. Well, the other thing I can tell you, boys and girls, I gave up marijuana back in the 60s when I was a flower child. And I'll wow. leave it at that. <laughs> you, were, uh, uh, you were a flower child, and now you're building UFO models. You betcha. Yeah, who need, you don't need no stinking marijuana. Yeah, who needs <laughs> marijuana? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know... Um, since everybody's here, I mean, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to. No, pretend. but I wanted to ask Angel, I wanted to ask Angel a couple of things. Um, so, Angel, what did you think about the meeting between President Obama and President Castro today in Cuba? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was about time they, uh, they did that meeting. I mean, it was uh, long, long overdue. And uh, it was good to see. I mean, we were, I was talking about that with my dad, uh, that that kind of stuff is uh, what needed to be done 30 years ago, not, you know, 50 plus years later. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things, you know, they were showing a lot of stuff, and, and, and I still can't get over, it's the only place where 1957 Chevys are still on the street. I, I love Obama's tweet, by the way, when he lands in Cuba, he's like, que bola, Cuba. Like, he landed in style. No, you know, it's good to see, because look, you don't make enemies and keep them for 50, 60 years and expect not to go, you know, things to go sour and get ugly. The way you destroy enemies is by being peaceful and being polite to them. Even the communists, because guess what? Who is who is pounding? Do you think of all of us? Hmm. Somebody's pounding know. for sure. Somebody is pounding. Just saying. I think that might be. Tom. I don't know. If it might be, it might be Tom. If just mute out. If if you're not talking, that's all you got to do. That's what but, I'm doing. Um, it, you know, like I was saying, you know, when you have you know enemies, the way to to combat enemies is and make them friends is by opening yourself up to these kind of communications. And it's good to see that we're finally doing that because we deal with communist countries all the time. You know, that's so right. right. I mean, that's what's what Cuba, in fact. Yeah. I mean, to your point, everybody was screaming about, oh, the president's going to Cuba. The president's going to Cuba. Ted Cruz was like mm-hmm. really outraged. 
at this oh, whole Ted thing. Oh, Ted Cruz is Bernie, an idiot. Well, he's an idiot, but the thing yeah. about what Bernie Sanders said was that you could get on a plane tomorrow and fly to China. You could get right. on a plane tonight and fly to Iran. Exactly. But you can't do it to get on a plane and fly to Cuba, which is 90 miles away and which is not hostile to the United States. Exactly. It makes no sense. I mean, they're really not does. launching missiles. Iran is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, that's the truth. So, I mean, it really absolutely makes no sense. It doesn't. doesn't it never made any sense to me, and I'm a Cuban-American, and it never uh, held uh, any water why the U.S. had this stance against Cuba for so long. The embargo makes no sense. All it does is hurt the Cuban people. Even Yeah, it hurts the government there, sure, but for the most part, the bigger picture hurts the Cuban people there that are suffering because they can't get you know the resources they need because of the embargo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's so much uh, politics involved in it, but it's really just all silly backwards 1930s and 40s thinking and really it's a grudge that they're holding over from the last century before uh, this past century when uh, Cuba was uh, the one that defended Puerto Rico in the Cuban invasion of uh, when America tried to invade Puerto Rico so I mean it's like a little grudge that they held over from, from that war and uh, I think that's, that's right. one of the main reasons yeah and I think that's one of the reasons why Cuba was always looked at kind of iffy with the U.S. and Part of the, the you know the grudges that the U.S. had with Cuba, but it's all silly. They're our neighbors. We're neighbors. You know, it's it's stupid to have that kind of grudge and you know make a big deal about the president going over there. You know, it's a big deal. and It's a good thing that he went over there. I think it opens doors of communications, which we all need. Well, because you know you don't want to keep pounding your friends in the face because one day he's going to bet you in the ass. It's going to bet. Well, well, now well, I, I, I have a. I have a quick little factoid for Bill before we go on. Um, PJZ Zimmerlink in uh, the chat said that the old cars have foreign engines like Toyota and are often diesel. So I Mm -hmm. bet those old cars are, in addition, you know, super cool in that they still run. They're not, you know, the old engines. Oh, they probably probably are. One of the coolest things, too, is that Rachel Robinson accompanied the president because she's the widow of baseball player Jackie Robinson and uh-huh. Jackie Robinson played in the Cuban baseball leagues he played mm-hmm. Latin American baseball yeah back in the, the, that, back in the, the 1940s back then, oh, they're playing she, each other right now uh, Cuba and uh, take it was Tampa Bay Devil Rays I've seen or something that's on, right on, exactly yeah, we're so we're going to have ba- yeah. we're going to have baseball diplomacy Here's the thing, in in Cuba, there was never the race issue like here in the United States where, you know, blacks weren't allowed to play baseball. You know, blacks and whites, they played together in Cuba for years. I mean, there wasn't a big divide as here in the U.S. In many ways, the U.S. is very backwards when it comes to a lot of policies and a lot of human rights stuff. Where in Cuba, it was never an an issue. I mean, black, whites, we we intermingled perfectly in Cuba. It's not, you know, an issue like here. Uh, and it's funny because a lot of the families that came over from Cuba in the 50s and 60s and saw racism here, because there were families in the 50s and 60s that migrated it to the U.S. That just, right. it just didn't all happen in the 80s or 1980. Uh, you know, for example, uh, Ru- uh, Rubio's family came in, what, in the 60s from Cuba? Uh, Marco Rubio's family and Ted Cruz's family, they left Cuba. Little Marco. Little Marco. Yeah, little, little Marco, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, Ted Cruz's family when, came over in 1957. There you go. So, I mean, these families moved over to the U.S. and they started seeing the racism that was here. They were, they were shocked. It was a culture shock because absolutely. We, you know, we're not, we're not absolutely used true. to that. Yeah. We're not used to seeing that in our country. So, you know, this country really has to play catch up to a lot of different things and a lot of different policies. Some say right. it's communist. Well, is it communist or is it leftist to love your neighbor and, you know, and not want to hate somebody because of the color of their skin? Then call me a communist, whatever. Whatever you want to call it. But you know what? We have to kind of understand that we're all human beings. We're all playing on the same level and not well, hate each other. Uh, it, 
in uh, while you're doing kumbaya, are you still voting for Trump? Yes, I am. See now, how do you? How do you? How the racist in chief. That's that's the most <laughs> ignorant thing I've ever heard in my life. He has not said a racist thing yet. Oh no! What what has he the, said that is blacks, racist? The blacks, the blacks. That's a crazy way to talk about your neighbor, the blacks. The the the, the uh, what, what did he say? I love what the poorly say, what educated. Say, what do you say about what do you say about the blacks? He calls them the blacks. If he called them the <laughs> Jews, he'd be considered racist there. But you don't call people the blacks. I call people They're, the whites, the blacks, the Jews, the Mexicans. Oh, the that's just craziness. We're all it just shows. A naive, childish view of the world in which well, it's here, us versus here's the them. Thing. Here's the thing. Ted Cruz wants to deport people and not have them even given a chance to come back. Marco Rubio wanted the same thing. Donald Trump is the only one that said, you know what, if you came here illegally, we're going to give you a, a chance to come back within a year and, and get your, you know, your things straightened out and take part of being part of this country. So the only one that doesn't want to just get rid of people is Donald Trump. Hillary yeah, okay, Clinton but, is but, a nightmare. Okay. On, the Republic, so, on the Republican side. Right. On the Democrats, if I had to vote for one, I'd, I'd vote for Bernie Sanders, to be honest, out of all of them. But it doesn't look like he's going to get the uh, nomination. And Hillary Clinton does... is a nightmare, to be honest. Yeah, with you. okay. <laughs> you, were, you were saying that. Now, everybody says stuff like that. She's a criminal. She's a nightmare. Tell me one nightmarish thing she's ever done. Benghazi. She didn't do what Benghazi. What did she do in Benghazi? That was out of her hands. No, but she that lied was, to the families. She lied to the families. I really sincerely doubt it. She straight up lied yeah. to the families. Of the, no, she, she did it. Look it up. On, I'm not even going to say anything. Look it up on Google, and you'll see it for yourself. I will. I will. I certainly Do will. That. I'm looking for uh, that. Google the is, of course, can, not the, host, the arbiter. But, no, but, no, but there's a lot of articles she, no, no, no. through the Internet. What she said about that, because she actually answered that question at one of the town halls. What she said was that as the information kept rolling in, and, and the only the only question that I have about Benghazi, the only one, is why was uh, the ambassador there at the Benghazi station, at that consulate building, when there was absolutely, when there was absolutely no uh, um, heavy military presence there, um, and we knew there were problems in that part of the country. That's a problem for me. But other than that, she actually said to she actually said to one of the family members at one of the town halls, because I really was following Benghazi because I was following it because when it happened, I was like overwhelmed with like how could this possibly happen? What she said was that on the one hand, that the whole situation was managed and vetted by the CIA, so. When it's that level of CIA management and knowing these guys are screw-ups like everybody else, they were dictating the responses that the administration had to make. They were the ones doing the talking points and dictating all that. So this was out of the Department of State in the CIA. That's first of all. Second, as the information on Benghazi kept rolling in, they were getting new updates, new changes in what was really happening on the ground, even 24 hours after the, uh, the event itself. So, yes, they said it was a terrorist attack. Yes, they also said it was partly inspired by the, that crazy film that that guy in California did about the prophet. So you had two things coming together at the same time, and even our own CIA wasn't quite sure 
now we know, but we didn't know then what was the what was the torch that lit the fire. So Hillary Clinton was actually being she was the tag she was the I'm sorry she was the tail actually being wagged around as opposed to that she was wagging the dog. So the Benghazi situation was out of her control. It was blown up by the Republicans. And when it was, became an issue in the 2012 campaign, it was soundly rejected by everybody because everybody realized that this was a situation out of everybody's control. And it was not Hillary Clinton who went on the morning shows to talk about it. It was, I think it was Samantha, uh, Susan Rice or Samantha Power, one of the two, or UN ambassador, I think. So, I mean, I'm not saying that the administration itself is blameless, but what I am saying is that she didn't lie about it. She didn't know, and her response was dictated by the CIA. That we know for a fact. The Benghazi thing, for if you don't know, really hits home with me because um, Ty, uh, Tyrone Woods and I went to school with each other. Mm-hmm. So, uh-huh. yeah, I'm from, I'm from Oregon City, too, and he was one year ahead of me, and he was a great guy and, and a great a great friend, actually. We played football with each other for, for two years, and and I even went to his... his uh, at his uh, party he had for his, uh, going off into boot camp. And then he threw a big old well, party but, that night with, you know. Of so. course. Yeah, but and not, to, not to, about to diminish deal. this. Is, not to diminish that particular situation, but there have been embassy bombings. That's, all- that's what I was going to raise. That's exactly what I was going to raise. When the Marines were encamped on a, on a runway at the Beirut National Airport, Ronald Reagan dumped over 200 Marines sitting on a runway, totally exposed. They were attacked. You didn't hear this partisanship. People rallied around the president and mourned the Marines who were killed. Here, it immediately became a partisan issue. And so, again, when Hillary Clinton says that she is singled out for things that no other candidate is singled out for, she's absolutely right. That's my problem with it. It is, it is simply singling someone out and saying, oh, well, Benghazi, uh, it's your fault because you lied. When A, she didn't lie. B, it was not even her, um, in, in her wheelhouse to talk about Benghazi because it was a CIA thing. It, 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 was, it was their operation. And this has happened, as Nancy just said, this has happened before on more than one occasion, and it never became partisan. And if you wanted to make it partisan, where I would agree with Donald Trump is that when you wanted to make it partisan, talk about 9-11 and how unprepared the Bush administration was, as Condoleezza Rice admitted in public, having been forewarned of an attack, having been forewarned that they had Ramsey Yusuf's computer, they knew the World Trade Center was a target because it was bombed in 1993. They knew that Ramsey Yusuf was going to use planes as guided missiles. The Al-Qaeda-type operations had already tried to use planes as guided missiles in the Middle East. They knew all of this, and yet they came in basically scot-free. And they yeah. also knew that these guys Almost. were in Florida... These guys were in Florida taking flight training. They were in the country illegally. 
they were these were the guys showing up at the hospital room, at emergency room at um um it was a emergency room in Hollywood Florida I forget the name of that. I want to say St. Peter but I could be wrong um in Florida and they had anthrax burns on their legs and these were some of the hijackers and the FBI knew about this something is very wrong with that and I don't know what it is we're in Florida it's always Florida I'm just saying everything bad always happens in Florida I know (laughs) Jesus no 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 Uh, these guys no 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 these guys no Angel these guys were taking flight training in Florida that was what happened no I know that's what what I'm saying it always starts or ends up yeah I mean because Hollywood all these things uh, Hollywood Florida there are a lot in, in Hollywood Florida I've been in Hollywood Florida Hollywood, Florida is really known for a couple of things. One, it's known there's a lot of drugs. I mean, that's where a lot of drugs yeah, come into the country. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one. And the other thing is that there is a Saudi community down there. That is very true. Also, listen, we've got somebody on the line who might, might want to rebuttal you, Bill. Four two three, you're live on with uh, Bill and Nancy Burns on Future Theater. Uh-oh. Now, Bill, you have you made uh, <laughs> a few mistakes about uh, Hillary. The night have... the, Bengazi, <laughs> the Benghazi happened. Uh, she emailed, um, they have the email, she emailed um, Chelsea and said it was terrorist. She did tell the families at the coffins when they were presented that we're going to get the guy that did the video and we're going to prosecute him. She did say that, and she... That's right, and her explanation, her explanation for that was... She's a liar. She is a total... Life. No, she covered She has this. not, what yes. has she ever accomplished right. in her life? Oh, she, my goodness. The only job, you know, she has never tried a case in the court. The only job she ever had was working for the Rose Law Firm because her husband was the governor and she was a rainmaker, and it was a way to help uh, have a, a, a liaison with Walmart, Pardue, and Tyson Chicken. It was all that. The lady is not accomplished in any way, shape, form, or fashion. She is, she's a closet lesbian, which there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say if that. She den- <laughs> if she, den- if she well, denies, I, not if to she cut you off, but her not, sexuality, not to cut you off, but I, you know, I do blame. I do blame her for what happened with Bill Clinton in the 90s because if she was helping to service her man properly, he would have never been looking for Monica Lewinsky or any other intern. If, Bill would, if Clinton, she would have been a proper wife. Bill Clinton. So she, Bill so Clinton you're blaming, has a severe, I blame her, Nancy. She, he has a severe sexual problem. Husband? That's Wait, the problem with Bill Clinton. He's got a severe cannot, sexual problem. I can tell you stories wife. about his sexuality that would blow your mind from people we interviewed for the Mickey Rooney book who knew Bill Clinton who basically told these unbelievable stories. And folks know, folks know, because I've said it not only on this show, but on other shows, that we were tracked by the CIA throughout all three seasons of UFO Hunters. And one of the non-official cover officers that spoke to us was very friendly and very forthcoming about his role in protecting Bill Clinton during the Ken Starr investigation when Bill Clinton was kind of sidling off someplace with um, a former beauty queen and was videotaped in a condo. And he's the guy that had to, this agent, this non-official cover officer, had to go to Canada to deal with the head of the Canadian organized crime families, not going to mention names, organized crime families, and secure that video in return for this guy's getting a slap on the wrist for a homicide that his family had committed and that he ordered. 
and the person you're talking about is Elizabeth Grayson. Uh, the person I'm was, talking about is, I'm sorry, I missed it. Uh, the Elizabeth Grayson was the actress. She was a, mm -hmm. a, a Miss Arkansas and Miss America, and he raped uh, or force, got real forcible with her. And I, I, I didn't. And filmed. you will notice. Bye. And you will notice, Charles, that I didn't mention the name. But oh, but uh, that's that's who that was. Uh, you um, have the wrong person. No, Elizabeth Grayson went through the same thing. She was. There could be more a, than a, there could be more than one. There yeah, could be. Local Bill well, she was she was filming a uh, a show uh, that was very successful in the ratings, the sequel to Highlander. And they were being chased all over the world. They had to move from Canada. They were filming in Toronto and uh, British Columbia. They had to move and to Paris to finish up the season because they were being harassed by everybody. Going okay, now, okay, now, okay, now, name the organized. Okay, what other? Um, what? I'm trying to frame this to protect you. Name the organized crime, trivia test, name the organized crime family that was in possession of that video. Mm. Uh, Corleone. No. Um, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, there was a, a lot of... Do you know the organized crime family that was in possession of that video? I can pretty much guess. Well, let's put it this way. Well, um, name the other video that this organized crime family had prior to this. Very famous video. Zapruder. No. Well, we have to take we have to take a break. Is it the bottom of the hour? Okay, we're taking a break. So, uh, so Charles, at some point in the in the distant future, I will share with you the name of the video, the actress who was involved, and the name of the organized crime family, but it will not be on the air. It is, it is the bottom of the hour already. Wow. So we are Bill and Nancy Burns on Future Theater on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network, and we will be back with our guest, Tom Jensen, right after these messages. So stay with us and learn about a really exciting UFO encounter. Back after these messages. Stay with us. A team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. 
up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. 4,734 UFO sightings in 2007. by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens and hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from public knowledge for years and only one trusted source of information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. The UFOstore.com Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. And we are back with Tom Jensen, our guest on Future Theater Live on the PSN Radio and on the Dark Matter Digital Network. And we are your co-host, Bill and Nancy Burns. And this is and Future Chris Theater Brown that you're listening so. to. Yes, and Chris Brown is here, too. And Chris Brown is here, too. And Charles was just here. You, you all made the So, thank you Whoa. for joining us, Tom. Tom, thank you, I, you know, I what I'd love to do, what I'd love to do is let's just lay down the background of what you're doing by telling us in detail about the UFO sighting that you had that started you on this. Basically, it's not a, it's more than a hobby now. It's like the well, scene from Close Encounters. <laughs> yeah, it is. This started back in January uh, 5th of 2000. 
and at the time I was working for state government, and uh, I was a volunteer fire chief and an assistant uh, 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 fire marshal, and I worked for the Franklin County uh, Bomb and Arson Squad, and we investigated house fires, uh, and I was coming back about 3 a.m. from a, a neighboring town that had had a group of kids that were out, uh, I guess you get points or something for burning abandoned houses down. Mm. And we went out there and investigated, and, uh, you know, there's no electric to it, so it's it's natural arson. Um, and on the way back, I heard uh, a dispatcher calling in on the radio, talking to a couple of officers at, about a black, some kind of a black craft that, that was floating over the township of Union, Missouri. So as I jumped off the interstate, uh, headed down toward Union, Missouri, because I had to see this for myself, I, I kind of had an interest in space and everything since I've been a kid. And uh, I came down over a hill, and I saw the two police officers at the intersection of Highway 50 and 47. And these uh, cops were standing outside watching this uh, huge craft that was up above. It had three lights across the back of it. It had lights that went uh, multicolored, uh, kind of waving back and forth between these white lights. And as I came down and approached to the bottom of the hill, I look up and there's three lights, uh, one in each corner of this craft. So I'm assuming it was triangular shaped because it was so dark and you couldn't really make a, a shape out of it. That's all you had to go by was the uh, light pattern. And then it had a light right in the center. It was a red light, like a navigating light, almost uh, a, a blinking light on a, a communications tower. Wow. So I thought that was kind of odd. As I pulled up behind the police officers, I started to get out of my truck, and this thing started to move very slowly off towards the, um, uh, it was west, southwest. So they jumped in their cars, and they gave chase. Of course, they've got red lights to chase it with, and I didn't. I did, but I can't use them because of the volunteer. Um, I, I finally caught up to them about oh, half a mile down the road. And this little chase went on for almost an hour uh, throughout uh, Franklin County, Missouri. So how many, how many cars were giving chase? Well, it was myself and two police cars. Wow. Well, that's a scene right out of Close Encounters, right and there. And did you did you did you call it in while you were doing that? Well, here was the the strange part. We did try to reach the dispatcher, but as we got underneath the craft, we lost all uh, radio signals whatsoever. It's just like uh, somebody had some kind of a well, like that guy that got caught on the bus. He had a jamming system. Mm-hmm. Um, it, all our radios just went out, and I mean, we we were pushing hundred watt radios, so. She should have at least been able to hear us, and, and the dispatch office isn't far from where, where they were. So, anyway, after watching this thing for a, a, a number of minutes, uh, it started to creep off uh, more more to the west. And uh, one of the officers turned to me and said, I didn't see anything, got in his car and left. And the other one said, well, I got other calls. calls I'm getting my back. Am I back? Okay, all right. Okay, I'm back. Anyway, Tom, try it if you can. I know you got your rocking chair <laughs> that we had talked about. No, I don't. So it makes it's not me. Sound. Yeah, oh, you aren't on the rocking chair. Nope. Okay, just 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 a lot of noise and the back noise is all. But it okay, could be yeah, my microphone. Uh, Tom, Tom, oh, yes. are you, Tom, are you building something as you're talking? 
No, I'm not. You, I'm sitting in my studio right now. So are you? And you're not sanding. No, I'm not sanding. Okay, you you're not. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> were you typing a little while ago? No, let me I, uh, pull yeah. his headset. Maybe that'll help. Does that help any? Yeah. 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 Leave the headset on, okay? Oh, yeah, it's on. All right, hang on. Headset back on. I have a new one coming, but uh, right now I'm using The thing is, when you use your microphone from your computer, it picks up every sound you do in the room. So anything you're doing is going to pick it up. Okay. Okay, so you turn to the one officer, and he says he didn't see anything. He didn't see anything. Got in his car and took off, and uh, the city officer, he looked at me, and he said... (laughs) Your guess is as good as mine, and he took off. So I waited for days to, you know, to hear anything about this and, and see if there was a, a police report even filed. But there wasn't even that done. And um, so I worked for state government at the time, and you just uh, public service commission. You just don't start telling people you see flying saucers. They start to look at you like it's retirement time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you never went public with this? Not for 12 years, I didn't, until I retired. And then... Well, wait, before we leave the the sighting, what was the aftermath? Aftermath of what, Nancy? The 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 actual sighting. sighting. There was no aftermath. This turned out to be, and, and that's why I was working into... After investigating this a little bit and talking to other people, uh, there was a sighting over on the Illinois side in Dupo, Illinois, and uh, and those police officers were chasing this same craft. Is what I'm I've been led to tell or told to believe. And uh, but my sighting was around three thirty in the morning. Theirs was around four thirty five o'clock. So we're assuming this is either multiple craft in that area that night. Or it was the same craft that just did an about t- uh, U-turn and came right back over onto the Illinois side because it's that Illinois side is almost straight across the river from where we were. Mm-hmm. And you submitted this to MUFON, correct? I did. Mm-hmm. But at the and- time, I was still, you know, skeptical of it. I didn't uh, file with my name. It's it's filed under. Uh, anonymous or something like that. And did the other policemen file reports also? Nothing. Um, my story is in the book with uh, David Muller, uh, Triangle UFOs. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. put it in there, and he investigated. He contacted all the uh, law enforcement and stuff, and none of the officers are willing to come forward with it because mm. they're still in law enforcement. Oh, yeah. sure, because the last thing you want to do if you are in an official capacity is say, well, you know, I chased a flying saucer uh, near the state border. Well, your credibility in court just goes in the toilet when you sure start because any good that. defense lawyer, you're testifying against some um, defendant, and some defense lawyer is going to say to you, you know, I'm I'm looking at a report that you filed uh, 12 years ago. Can you describe the the object that you saw? And suddenly you've got a jury titillating with laughter over an officer who claims to be a great observer talking about a UFO that he saw and chased. And by the time that defense counsel is done, your credibility is just out the window. Well, yeah, they got you looking like a babbling idiot. Yeah, exactly. So 
What led what me to uh, Dave Muller was uh, I, I decided to go ahead and go forward because I, all the reports I had read, nobody had a, a closer encounter than we did uh, with the radio situations and, and, and stuff like that. And I just thought that would be something interesting the investigators might not have. And you said you go you couldn't get contact right when you tried to radio out there was no no there was anything. there was no we already covered this Chris but I'll, yeah. I'll I'll do it again for you uh, we couldn't get any transmission to go out uh, we had pretty uh, strong radios and we weren't far from from the uh, base station so uh, you know in order for us not to get out there was something definitely stronger than we were blocking a signal were you getting any carrier signal on your radios. No, we were not. When you'd mic up uh, or key up the, the mic, it just, you didn't hear anything. Nothing. Blank. Just like the radio went dead. Mm-hmm. And the fascinating thing is that that radio outage, that electrical interference with the radios, that is one of the common occurrences when these kinds of craft pass low over any electrical device. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the case of Rex Heflin, when um, you had, uh, this famous guy in 1965 who took that famous series of UFO photos in Southern California, when uh, um, these two people who claimed to be from NORAD, they weren't from NORAD, came to his house to pick up the originals of the photographs, the prints that he took from his Polaroid land camera, uh, when they pulled up in front of his door... All the electrical equipment, he had a very um, sophisticated um, stereo hi-fi, this is 1965, that went out. And he couldn't explain why it went out when that car was in front of it. These guys were these very strange-looking guys. Um, in, in Ohio, in Liberty Township, Ohio, when a large triangular craft floated over um, a police unit, that radio went out, and the car engine stopped, and then started again as the as the craft um, floated away. In um, and not in Abitia, New Mexico. You know, in Mexico, not New Mexico. In Mexico, um, when the local police came to investigate a UFO crash, when they came into the area, all their radios were knocked out, including their walkie-talkies. So this is a very, very common occurrence that you just reported. Well, I didn't, I didn't know, and like I said, I didn't do any follow-ups or anything like that other than watch the news media or check some of the police reports and stuff uh, on. And, and back then, you didn't, we didn't have online services like we do today. But, uh, right, but had you heard of the Phoenix Lights by that time? No, I hadn't, no. Mm-hmm. Because it's the same, it's the same kind of vehicle. It looks like, um, uh, guys. We're going to take a break in about three minutes, giving everybody a little prior warning. Uh, we, we're going to do a little, a quick switcheroo when we take a break in about three minutes. I'm letting everybody know. So should the people on phones hang up? Angel <laughs> will tell us what to do. I will tell you what to do. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. Tell, you, <laughs> tell us what to do because he's okay. So, so Tom. Um, how did you go from having that sighting to doing the modeling work you're doing? And folks, go to our website, futuretheater.com, well, and see the kinds of models you're, uh, uh, you are um, assembling. 
uh, that's kind of a long story, but I'll try to shorten it up for you. I, I got no, no, no. I mean, why don't you start it? We'll take a break, then we'll come back okay. on the other side. And well, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Why don't you ponder on that question when we come back from break? You can answer it. Okay. Oh. Leave it as a hook. For when yes. We come back from so break. basically, two minutes of soul-stirring pondering. Yes. That's right. Okay. Or less. Like or less. It. It's a quick break. It's a quick one. Okay. Right Angel, back. tell us what to do. Take us to break, Mr. Burns. Okay, so we're going to take a break, everybody. Uh, We're doing some equipment changing. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with our guest, Tom Jensen, right after this, so please stay with us. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet.
And we're back after our equipment change on Future Theater Live on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network with our guest, Tom Jensen. So, Tom, um, um, you have had enough time to ponder. So tell us now, please, um, what got you started on this close encounter moment where you were actually building hmm. model craft? Well, okay, this started uh, several years ago when I started to watch some of the, the UFO shows, <laughs> yours included, Bill. Oh, okay. Um, and um, I got to thinking that, that maybe somebody should know about my, my encounter that I had since uh, none of the police officers decided to uh, come forth. And I, I wound up getting in touch with Roger Marsh from uh, MUFON. Yes, and Roger did a feature story in the journal and uh, and uh, filed a, a report for me. So that led to um, there was somebody in in Mupon in Missouri, and uh, they contacted me, and then I got put on to David Muller that uh, was doing the investigation uh, for his book. And from there, uh, I ran into some folks that are with MUFON of North Dakota. And I got invited to go to a seminar that they were having. And Stan Freeman was the guest speaker. Very interesting man. Love the guy. Mm -hmm. He's, he's, he's a real good talker. Um, and him and I, I had brought some of them. I started making the, the lady that, uh, their secretary, she liked my uh, woodworking stuff. And the reason they saw it was I built a full-size craft and put it in my front yard for Halloween. Because when we moved back up here to, to this part of the country, we're out in the country and no kids come to the door. And down in St. Louis area, I was used to having 50, 60 kids at night. They'd run me out of candy. Mm -hmm. So when we first moved up here, I wound up getting, you know, five, six bags of candy and I wound up eating them all. Yeah. <laughs> So I built I built this craft and put it out front there, and I kind of made an alien graveyard and all kinds of stuff. And the local news media picked it up and it shot it all the way to Bismarck, North Dakota. Well, and wait, how, thought, how big was the craft that you built for the front yard? Uh, it took up my double space garage. Wow! It was a, it was almost full size. I guess I don't know what full size UFO would be. It wasn't the size of the craft that I had. It was just a Halloween thing. And they bought it off me, actually. And that's how they invited me to come to their seminars and stuff. Uh, who, and who, they use, who, they who, use uh, it in parades now. Who bought it? Who? who? Uh, MUFON of North Dakota bought it. Ah, okay, cool. And they use it for uh, uh, fundraising and things like that in, in local parades. And did it have lights on it when it was out in the yard? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah? it had all kinds of lights, yeah. Oh, well. uh, I don't know if Chris can throw any of those pictures up. I don't know if he's got those or not. Um, yeah. Um, I do. I just, uh, I'm not real best at the computer, so I'll, I'll work on that, Tom. Okay, since I'm back onto the yep. telephone, I'm not on the computer. I can't put anything yeah, up there. Yeah, I'll work on that right, right now. Well, we, we've got lots um, of hands on board here. We can, we'll get the, all the photos <laughs> out. Also, if you go to futuretheater.com, uh, both your Facebook page and your brand new webpage are linked up. And folks mm -hmm. can see on your permanent show page uh, right. some really interesting – I tried to pick different um, images of different things. And before we talk about the, the actual craft, 
I did want to point out my favorite and also uh, Leslie Gunter's favorite. She's a friend of mine, and she's always been a UFO writer. She's loved that one where the cows the cows are being sucked up into the into the vehicle. Um, Actually, you know, I had a contest for a while, and I kind of stopped it because I wasn't getting any orders, but people were sure getting some of my my gifts that I was sending out. Um, yeah. Chase McCluskey from one of the other radio shows uh, actually won that one uh-huh. and she put it up on Facebook and, and I think it's gotten almost uh, 500 hits on it already wow. so well um, Leslie yeah Leslie has uh, she's loved that 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 wasn't that did you invent that no 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 that's something that uh, I've always heard you know and I've seen some of those okay. probably on on other other websites and stuff, I just thought that'd be kind of cool to make, so I, I started making a few of them. Right, and, and so that's one. And I wanted to just to give a shout out to Leslie and then Orange Orb. Uh, you know, uh, Chris's sighting was an orb, not an actual solid um, mm-hmm. uh, vehicle. But it was Chris who has been kind of following your work and who's been saying you've got to have them on. It's just you know. And I, and I promise, Chris, as soon as I can turn wood into uh, fire and, and, and keep it from uh, disappearing. I'd make it one. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, someone I was just hearing today, yesterday, that teak uh, can be, you can almost blow glass into teak because the wood will char, but it won't catch on fire if you know mm. what you're doing. So there's might be possibilities with teak, a uh, very... I think it's a very resiny wood, I think, that, or maybe it's a very dry wood. I'm not sure what, what the reason it's well, anyway, to get back to the seminar that I was at with Stanton Freeman, I had brought some of uh, my little little, little gifts uh, along just to give them to a Lupin group. Maybe they could sell them at the table. And before I knew it, Stanton Freeman was uh, autographing them, and they were selling them. So wow. uh, that kind of got it started. And then David Muller asked for one so he could take it out on his uh, book signings. And that was basically my first Marge uh, uh, model that I did. I did a, the triangle or UFO that I I saw, and he featured it in his book. So, and but I've been a woodworker uh, most of my adult life. I've had a workshop uh, out here for the place that I've lived, and I do other other models. I do toys also, uh, kids mm-hmm. toys, and I do uh, larger models. I do trains. And, and trolley cars and all kinds of stuff. So, but these are models; those aren't toys. And so, uh, and I, and book, so I just wanted to get the name of the book. The book was about triangle craft, I believe. Let me just find it here. It's a, a triangular UFOs. Triangle, right? That's yeah. the book, right? Okay. I know the yeah. book very well. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not trying to boast anybody's stuff. I'm just mentioning. What oh I'm no, no, at. no! But I just, I, I just, I, I just know the book, and I could see well, we should, why we should get him interested. on the show. Yes, we should get David on the show. We should, but I could see why he'd be so interested, especially in your sighting, because that is, on the one hand, it's a sighting that is in the in the landscape of in the universe of UFO sightings. It's very traditional. You're driving along late at night. You see an object. It catches your attention, uh, and you follow it. Um, what makes it so different? is that you join two police units in the chase of this object. And so even though they never came forward themselves to report what happened, 
you saw them there and you knew that they saw what you saw. And I do know the officers, but I couldn't give Dave their names because they don't want to be contacted or have anything to do with so I, I wasn't I wasn't uh forthcoming with any of that stuff. I know he asked me several times and I just told him no, I didn't know but I just didn't give it to him because uh, these these gentlemen just don't they're still in the business and I can't uh, lessen their credibility in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, well, well, look what happened to this um, uh, uh, British officer, this British constable, Alan Godfrey, who I saw that. Yeah, never wanted to go public. See, and that's what happens. He never wanted to go public. It was very private. But he acquiesced to, I mean, this is the guy who had that UFO sighting in the town of Todd Morton um, and basically had a close encounter and he was taken aboard the craft. He never wanted to go public, even though it was an incredible case, but he was really pushed into it by a lot of the British UFO groups that basically said, oh, you really have to do regression. You've got to figure out what happened on board the craft. It's very important. And because he went public with this, even though other police uh, facilities nearby had reported UFO sightings, that was that on that one night, even though they had done that, it was Alan Godfrey who was the object of such incredible derision from the other constables at the station where he worked that they, it eventually forced him off the police force. It eventually pushed him right off the police force, uh, and then he had to sign a national um, securities letter. But still, it, 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 there is such a level of derision about people who report UFO sightings, it makes no sense to report them if you're in any co- official capacity. Pilots don't. Well, didn't you guys feature that on one of your shows, that particular report or that particular officer? Yeah, I thought that they done one of your shows about it. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was um, back in season one. That was uh, that was one of the early shows when we went to the UK, and basically that was the Stonehenge episode because we did a bunch of episodes at the same right. time when we were there. Right. Yeah, and, um, and 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 I still consider Alan Godfrey to be um, one of my favorite cases i have to say just because there is absolutely there was you know i i say this it's like i'm a dog with a bell or responding to a bell but you have to ask yourself alan godfrey in the weeks before he had this this was in no this was in in 1980 um in the in the weeks before that he investigated, he was the um, officer who was, um, who investigated a dead body. The guy's name was Zygmunt Adamski, lying face up on top of a 25-foot coal heap with absolutely no coal dust on him whatsoever. So if somebody can tell me how to climb a 25-foot coal heap with a severe heart condition and get no coal under your fingernails, I would love to know about that. But anyway, and who was undressed and redressed and had something put over his head with burn marks, with an ointment that nobody could identify. I could go on and on. But why would the British National Security Authorities force Alan Godfrey 
to sign a national security letter that linked, in the same letter, the body of Zygmunt Adamski that he found on top of a coal heap and his UFO sighting and abduction in the same letter, it makes absolutely no sense unless they're linked. That's right. So well, that's why I like that case. And, and I might, I always want to point out that Jim Sanders was a police officer when he saw a UFO with other fellow officers. And I do believe he reported it. Um, he did positive. report it. And, yeah. and so um, that was not the reason he was off the force. It was, a, it was a medical retirement. But yeah, and he talks about that quite openly now that he's not there anymore. Well, um, Tom, I was wondering if you could tell us um, your process for how you figure out which one you're going to do, like next oh. or in the first place. Well, that's, that's in itself is a, is a kind of a story. Um, I started this by, I'm not an artist, and I'm not, I'm not real good at computers, so I can't do a 3D rendering or anything mm-hmm. like that, so... The only way I can show people what I saw was build models. I knew how to do that. So uh, with Dave Moeller, I built him one, and I showed him what I had, and he got really excited about it and got sparked. And actually, he carries it around. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of his book signings, uh, when they'll let him on the airplane with it, I understand. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's how people can can get in touch with me if they've had a sighting and they don't have anybody else or any other way of, of expressing this, and they would like to have a model of it so they have it in their hand and they could show people, say, right. well, this is what I saw, you know, or this is similar to what I saw because, you know, if also I was there and I've got actual photographic evidence or something, I can't build you the exact model, uh, but I can get a, a facsimile to, to what you saw. Well, how, how do you do that? How do you work with people? Uh, is it uh, does it have to be face to face, or can you work? Uh, no, long I tried to do it through the computer. I was doing it over the telephone, but then uh, the phone started ringing at all hours of the night, and uh, I kind of put a stop to that. So it, now I have a Facebook uh, page, which is a UFO, UFO model site, mm-hmm. and I have a web page. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody can put that up in the chat room. Yep, we'll do I, that right now. I don't now. have access, access to that. Yeah, we'll do that yeah, right now. I'll put now. it in there right now. I don't price each model. I do it on a, a case-to-case basis because it depends on what they want, the, how many uh, LED lights i got to put in it, how much time I have to spend on how large the craft would be, uh, et cetera. And then shipping costs is also added into that. Mm-hmm. Right and now, it, I'm working on a model for... Uh, CubeSat. You ever heard of those? Uh, yes, but but okay. what is it? Yes, I've heard of CubeSat. Yeah, it CubeSat is... is a satellite that's uh, actually scheduled for 2018 launch, and it's been funded, and uh, they're looking for more funding to to keep it up there, actually, and to run the ground base and stuff on it. CubeSat will uh, take a photograph of the Earth every five seconds and start watching for UFOs. Right. This was a, uh, the, the fellow who started it, I believe, was on Midnight in the Desert uh, right. a few weeks Dave ago. Shock. Yeah. Yes, yes, with Heather. And, and right uh, now, I'm, I was going to show you tonight, but uh, my computer is acting up, so 
I've got the model mock-up right here that I'm going to be taking down to Eureka Springs uh, for the uh, UFO conference down there. And uh, some of those folks down there are going to take it, and they're going to do a little fundraising with it. Well, you know, after the sh- after wait wait after the show, maybe we could all work together. Either Angel can figure this out, or maybe Chris, you can perhaps hold it up after the show, and we can take some oh, quick screen grabs. Sure. Yeah, um, and uh, I tell you, you Dave Shock Dave Shock would be a great guy to have on your show to talk about this because I, I'm just a model builder. He's he's the guy behind all of it. Well, what are you? Yeah. So, what is the purpose of building a model for CubeSat? For fundraising, it's going to ah. go out to uh, other things because they don't want to just stop with one. This thing is scheduled to go up and be up there three to six months, and then it's going to lose uh, orbit because it's only going in, into low Earth orbit. And right now, NASA's got to stop on them from putting any kind of uh, <clears throat> uh, jets on it to keep it in orbit. So. It, it can't have anything to, to keep it up there longer. So what they're working for is, is more funding so they can put more CubeSats uh, up there at a time. And people like SpaceX and NASA and all those won't launch it for them because they don't want anything to do with UFOs. Yet well, they're what, out there um, in the universe, universe looking for them. What happens to the CubeSat when its uh, orbit disintegrates? It just burns up. Ah, it's so then you have to cheap compared to what it costs to put it up there. Mm-hmm. And then it is going to send, and then what ground receiving stations will be receiving the any photographs that it takes? Well, Dave Shock will have the ground receiving uh, through a company, and now that's what I was told. So I, you know, like I said, he'd be the better guy to explain it all. But I wanted to bring it up to you in case that's somebody else you would like to talk to about it. But that's and, what I've, I've got on my workbench right now. When I'm right. Doing. Cool. Okay. But, but the photos that it's going to take, which will be of UFOs, we hope, will be well, unedited photos. So it'll be directly they beaming. Any, they won't have any government affiliation. Those will come straight back to the public. They will be mm-hmm. put on air. And they won't have any way of, of uh, destroying, destroying or distorting the images in any way, shape, or form. That's the whole right, because idea. We, right, because what we do know is that in the very early days of NASA, they would beam these conversations about UFOs shadowing the space capsules um, directly back to Earth, and they would be picked up. Um, there were the um, NASA's undisclosed transmissions. But ultimately what NASA did was they were routing the transmissions. They developed another frequency for talking about this stuff. That was one, then the, which was not a public frequency. And the other thing NASA did was they began routing transmissions through, uh, I think it was the Goldstone Receiving Station, where they would be scrubbed um, they would remove any references to UFOs or flying saucers. So it was edited. Well, I don't know if our government has influence with a ground station that we're going to hire or they're going to hire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's a, something that we'll have to see. And, um, and what is your okay. deadline for, for finishing this particular well, so My model would be for the year to Springs, Arkansas, uh, April 8th through the 10th down there. 
And then now, it's going to be shipped to Dave's uh, uh, shock and his partner, and they're going to take it. And when when they go out and do uh, fundraising, they'll bring it with them. Okay, and we since don't have the photo. Yeah. We, since we don't have the photo yet, how how big is it? Well, right now it's uh, 10, uh, 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters by 20 centimeters. So that's about the size of a shoebox. Okay. Okay. They're very small, and they and they they launch out of like a torpedo torpedo tube out of out of the missile head. Uh, there'll be several of them. Other yeah. companies put these up. This is a kit that they order, and you take the kit and you build it the way you want it and what you want to do with it. Well, are you building the kits, or are you building no. yours from the kit? I'm doing. I'm just doing a mock-up for them, for uh, so people can pick it up and look at it. You know, they're not going to break it if they do. It's no biggie. It's okay. just wood and glue, you know. But I'm I'm making it to as much realism as I can without it being real. Now, right. how are they launching this satellite? I mean, what are their launch facilities like? I don't know. I don't know who's going to put it up for them. That's something that. Uh, uh, Mr. Shock has not uh, disclosed to me, and he can disclose on the radio if he wishes. I'm wondering yeah. if they're going to go to SpaceX. Um, well, Virgin I've America. heard they tried that, but SpaceX didn't want anything to do with them because uh, they mentioned the word UFO. I see. So a, lot of, a lot of companies don't want to be affiliated with you then. I would think yeah. I would think that Jeff Bezos would be would be one candidate, and I would think that uh, 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 Robert Bigelow would be another candidate, since Bigelow did have MIDs investigating UFOs. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, those are the big heavy hitters. Right, right. And Tom, on your on your UFO site, um, on your main site, you mentioned people who already have your models. Um, I was looking for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, believe, there's a list uh, of people in there. yeah, there's a list of people. But the Reed family, uh, his model is in the UFO museum. The Reed family, uh, what sighting does he is he connected to? Thomas well, Reed. I think it, I think it was up on the east coast uh, somewhere along there. I don't know where the family had a farm, and the whole family at one time, uh, what I understand is, had been abducted. Wow. And they had been hounded by this uh, spacecraft. It, it kept landing out in the woods. And they would wake up walking back towards their house or finding themselves in bed already after hours had gone by and they don't know their, their time and everything had uh, disappeared. Now, again, I'm just the model builder. Thomas Reed would be another gentleman you could probably get on your radio show. Mm-hmm. He's got a, a whole... Uh, out, uh, you know, story about the whole right. thing. He's actually, I'm, I'm going to be starting another craft for him. It's a smaller one. The one that I did build for him is in the museum in Roswell, New Mexico, and they don't take too many new things in down there because they get hounded every day about, you know, take my stuff in, take my right, story. Right, right, right. Things like that. He got yeah. into uh, National History Museum up there in the township that he was uh, abducted in. And they're actually the first uh, history museum to ever acknowledge the fact of UFOs. So they're going to put the whole family story in there, and I'm going to start building another craft just to put in that museum. Yeah, I'm Googling it right now, and I think that is my computer making the noise, maybe. 
I'm on a page. Uh, we can't hear noise. it, but if it is. Yeah, I don't hear anything. Okay. Thomas Reed, yeah. I might be on a page making noise. Hard to say. Well, we should contact him because I would love to get uh, his story firsthand. Um, yeah. Because, because uh, it, again, it's the story is not just of a single person, but it's of an entire family. Wow. Mm-hmm. An entire family. Now, I don't know how much. I know his brother's still alive. I don't know if his mother and grandmother are still around. Um, but it was the whole family that was involved in it. Well, what did, uh, what did, uh, and who saw the model that you made? Uh, who, or who asked you to make the model from the family? Oh, he did. He contacted me direct. And, and what did he say when he finally saw the finished product? Oh, he was uh, elated with it. He just said, that, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, he couldn't believe the, uh, well, he, he put it, ar- artisan chip that I put into it. So mm-hmm. wow. it's, if you would, um, let's see, that should be on my webpage too. Uh, if you'll look through there, you'll see his craft that's in there. It's got lights on the bottom. And actually, I put a rotator underneath it. So it, it sits on the ground and kind of uh, turns real slow. Okay, well, I was—I complete... wanted to ask you about that. You have certain features on your website that that show mm-hmm. almost like the innards, the the working somethings that are underneath. Oh, that was one that I did uh, for Lupon. I took it up there of my sighting. Uh, that was just kind of my interpretation uh-huh. of what's inside one of those uh, triangular needles. Hmm. Would be uh, maybe a saucer type that would drop out of the belly of that thing and and be more like a probe that would fly around. Mm-hmm. That's just an interpretation. That was kind of a goof. Well, have you ever been yet visited by anybody from the military saying, where are you getting this information for your mom? No, I haven't. I haven't, and I hope I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I I like it's a one-man little shop out here in my garage, and and that's the way I like it. And if they don't like me making UFOs, that's fine. I'll go back to making toys. But uh, as of right now, I have never been visited now. Well, when in the sequence of your work did you do the uh, Day the Earth Stood Still model? Oh, let's see. When did I do that? Oh, I had a gentleman in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. He was a Lupin member, or still is. And he's got a lot of my models. He bought a lot of them. The gentleman is into oil, so he's got the money to pay for them. So I did another full-size uh, scale model for him. He's got that up there. Of what? He's also got... Of, 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 of a saucer mm-hmm. in his yard. He's got a full-size one. I go wow. up there once a year and service it for him. And, and, and wait a uh, second. Before, because I put the picture of uh, uh, this one, Day of the Earth, it's still on the website. What is the surface, the shiny, shiny surface that you did there? Is that paint on wood? Yeah. Just paint yeah, on wood, not uh, bad. Yeah. Well, what I do on something like that now, what I do is I take that wood after I, I have it on my lathe and I spin it, I will put fiberglass on it. And then uh-huh. I'll sand it down. I'll put several coats of fiberglass on it. And then I just paint it and it comes out looking like a car finish. Well, in the full-size model, that's why I wanted to ask about the small one. In the full-size model that you made for him, um, is it weatherproof? Yes. Oh. I have a... It's actually masonite, which is not weatherproof. So I ordered some, uh, this is a, a, a plastic that they can put on cars. It, it can give you carbon fiber look or it can give you a reflective look. And that's what I went with was a reflective mm-hmm. covering on it. 
and wow. we covered it with that. And uh, he's got quite a bit of money wrapped up in it. So, huh. well, yeah, I was going to ask you how did he display the, um, the you know, the little scenario from the movie? How did he? Because you've shown it, you're showing it on your workbench. And so, what did he do? Where did he put it? Do you know? Well, he's just got it in his front living room. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and yeah. and lets his granddaughter play with it, which just makes me kind of cringe. But yeah. the hours that I spent on something like that with the little models, each one of those little models, you have to buy them at a hobby store, and you got to build them, and then you got to airbrush them and paint you're, them. And, you're uh, saying how much them uh, uh, little cows were, which I asked my wife, yeah. by the way, if she had, if cause my daughters and little things like that, if she had seen anything like that, and she goes, yeah, I see them over at this place, and they're like six bucks for like a little thing, yeah. too. Like, yeah, I said, yeah. I know, I said they're a crazy price. But those little tiny ones, Chris, that I've got in there for for uh, chases, uh, I bought at the local uh, zoo here yeah. to help support the zoo. I go in there and, and buy everything oh, they've got. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's and a then good I just idea. run a really thin wire with a needle, and I run it right through them, and, and it looks like they're being sucked right up into the grass. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving away all my secrets now. See, somebody else will start building them. Yeah, but the but the real the really fun stuff is the lighting effects. Do the lighting effects on the different ones, go, you know, sort of go on in sequence or so so forth? Have you done that? Well, that's what I was hoping to be able to show you some. Of. I've yeah. got some that that scroll that chase each other around the craft. Now those nice. are that those type of lights are starting to dry up. My source is drying up. I was getting them off of eBay out of China. And, and they're and, very uh, unreliable. They just one day they're there, and next day they're gone. You know, and you can't find wow. them anywhere else. Wow. Well, there's a. I was just going to suggest um, there's a world of uh, little computer circuits that you can kind of build yourself. Uh, Raspberry Pi, I think it's called. Danny would know. Um, this is stuff that in the computer world where people make their own LEDs and stuff. Right. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, and and then there's a little computer uh, control board and everything with it. Yeah, those little kits run anywhere from fifty to a hundred dollars. Wow! And the, and and uh, I've been buying these for like five dollars a strip. So there's a big cost difference there. Well, well how do you yeah. power your lights? You build in a battery, right? Yeah, they're just a little battery box inside. On most of them now, some of the people request that I do the uh, little plugins and the little mm-hmm. transformers that go on the wall. Mm-hmm. I don't like doing those because I'm not UL listed. So that's true. And then you've got to. And then since you can't build the transformer, you have to buy them. So sure. it's really a question of making sure that um, the well, power is aligned. Cost. Yeah. Yeah, and they're expensive. Oh, sure they are. Yeah. I mean, you can buy that stuff in quantity and, and bring your cost down. But how much quantity do I want to carry on hand? You know. I don't get great big orders about for this stuff, and if I ever did, I would probably go out of business myself because I couldn't keep up with it. Well, are you, do you currently have back orders? Do I have back orders? Do you now? Yeah, at, at this no, point. No, right now I don't. I'm trying to clear my bench so I can head south uh, and get this cube set done for those guys, and and then uh, we'll start all over again. <laughs> and and that's. Kind of the way I work. I, I, it can take me two, maybe three weeks to build something, but I, I do it until that project is done, and I, it doesn't go out of my shop until it's perfect. 
Well, the, the closest I've seen to this sort of work is uh, I, I've watched people prepare for Burning Man, um, and they will sometimes make – it looks like one of your, um, in, one of your flying saucers, it looks like they're, it's on little wheels of some kind. It's full size in your garage. You can sort of oh, see that's it. the full size one that's in Bismarck that I was talking about. Ah. That I go out and service everywhere. Right now I've got it up on wheels so we can move it around the garage since the wife can still get it. How long it. did that take for you to make? That was three and a half months, and I almost got a divorce over it because it was winter <laughs> up here, and my wife wanted the garage back. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's, but she and, was a she was a big trooper. I mean, she'd come out there and sub zero temperatures with me because I, I I have a heated shop but not a heated garage and and it was pretty cold out there. We were running a I don't know if anybody knows what that is a salamander. It's a little uh, gas heater out there. Right, I I do. And uh, yeah, they're supposed to be used in well ventilated areas. Well, garage is well ventilated, so after a couple hours, you want to get out of there and get some fresh air. So, and I have a good personal friend that I can't say he really believes in UFOs, but he really likes working with me on stuff like this. So he goes with me on some of my trips out to Bismarck, North Dakota. I don't live in North Dakota, Chris. Oh, you're not in North Dakota. Okay. No. All right. I'm right on the border. I'm on a North Dakota-Minnesota border. I'm oh. out of the country. Okay. All right. I live in the country. I like the country life. I see. So you're in Minnesota. All right. Yeah. Okay. And there's one of the the, um, really, if you knew the show, uh, Tom, uh, one of the really incredible UFO sightings, it was actually an encounter. It was a collision actually took place near Fargo um, where a a local police officer, I think it was a sheriff's department, um, actually collided with an orb and I got, we got a chance to see because the car, this officer was driving, uh, went off to a museum because it was such an artifact because it still resonated years and years later. It still resonated electronically from the impact with that orb. And And I I, I saw the feature and I've seen the car. Oh, you've seen so, the car because it was oh, wow. in your yeah. neck of the woods. Yeah, I have seen it. Uh, I made a, a special trip there to go see it, and I saw the antenna that was bent, and there was no pry marks or anything on it that, uh, you know, somebody had taken a pair of pliers and bent it over. And Well, yeah, and wasn't there also residue on or around the antenna? I believe Bruce McAbee <sighs> did a really long piece on this. Yeah, I there don't was. Know who investigated, but they did do a, a real good investigation on it. There's right, some because, very unanswered things about that car. I love the well, look yeah, of that car myself. Because the officer got in trouble. I mean, the, I mean, the state police was was saying that the officer was drunk and ran off the road, mm-hmm. yeah. and they were blaming him on the force for the anymore either. He, he was kicked off the police department. Right. Exactly. And yeah. and 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 yet. Years later, well, was it years later or months later, there was a UFO research group that flew over the area and uh, they were using um, a FLIR camera, a forward-looking infrared camera. And from the air, 
they were able to see an infrared mark along the, the road that basically tracked the same path as the orb. So they could actually track the orb's path using that camera. And this was months later. And the path crossed a farmhouse. And so the, they asked the people who lived in that farmhouse. The big thing was that the police officer's watch stopped at the moment of impact. And the car's dashboard clock stopped at the moment of impact. So the officer's wristwatch and the dashboard clock had the exact same time. They were frozen. When these UFO yep. researchers went to the house, and it was, a, it was a farmhouse, and the family said that they'd been away on vacation, so they weren't witnesses. They didn't know anything about it, even though this thing passed right through the house. And they said, but there was one strange thing that happened. And they said, what happened? And they said, well the clocks in the house all stopped at the same time. And they thought it was a power outage, but the clocks never came back. But where the clocks, the time on the clocks in the house was the same time as the police car's dashboard clock and the officer's wristwatch. Mm. Wow. That was one of the strangest parts of that whole report were the, the clocks uh, at different locations. Everything froze up at the same time. It's yeah, as though the epic. orb was slicing through the time-space continuum. The orb basically, yes, that's exactly <laughs> uh, that's exactly what happened, and it just shut down a whole bunch of stuff. And do you know that when we were in the museum, the, what the curator did was we charged the battery. That was the first thing we see. But the, uh, the battery would never hold a charge after the incident. And the engine could never turn over. Charge the battery, and we tried to turn the engine over, and sure enough, she wouldn't turn over. There was just yeah, the no electricity in there. The clock right. still, to this day, doesn't run. That's exactly right. There was not, that car does not run. And but neither of, you re, neither of you remember anything about residue, a tar-like residue on, on the antenna? On the antenna. Yes, do you, yes right. no? Yeah, that, that but, there is... were no... but the weird thing was that it was the way the antenna was bent. Right. It wasn't bent as though somebody had, had, like some kid, ripped the antenna. There were no brake marks on the antenna. It was some force that literally seemed to have melted the antenna and bent it and then went on its way. Mm -hmm. hmm. Was it in like a, kind of like a, a swirling kind of a, a bend? Right. No, it was like bent straight at an angle type thing. It wasn't swirled like a pig's tail. Yeah, just it was just you know, when bend. I had my encounters go to my orb, yeah. mine was that orb we had was spinning around it. So when you encounter on that orb, it makes me wonder if it hit and if it was spinning, if it left kind of a, a spinning kind of a look to it when it when it when it dented it. You know what I mean? Like it was spinning into it. I've never seen the car, so I don't know. Just and, and you as weren't an orb wearing furniture. Right, you weren't oh, wearing the a way, watch, uh, right? Somebody that I know quite well wanted to say hi, Race Hobbs. He said to say hello to Bill and Nancy, so oh, I got that hello. out there. Hello. <laughs> 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 uh, hey, Race. Wow. Yeah. Hey. Race, yeah, how are you? I'm sure he's listening, but he wanted, what, wanted uh, to say what, hi. What kind of model did you make for Race? Well, right, 
Chris, you've been busy, haven't you? Um, well, a little bit. Uh, this is a, a kind of like a farm scene where I've got a bunch of cows at the bottom and I've got a, a, a acrylic uh, tube that goes straight up into the craft. Now, the craft is two foot in diameter, and it's made out of fiberglass. Uh, with balsa wood uh, as the, the main structure and then a fiberglass both sides of it. And I don't do fiberglass, so this thing took me months to do. So it's a, it's a learning and progress type, type job. And I found some little cows and I found some little pigs that are actually looking straight up into the sky and they, nice. they, they look like they're looking at the craft. Nice. So it's quite unique. Uh, I don't know if I can ever find those, but I found the darn little cows. And the pigs right at Walmart, one of those little plastic bugs. Uh, That's great. And you know, I they took could them have and been, I airbrushed you know. them and made them look like real things. So. Wow, they could have been for a manger scene where they're looking up at the star. You know, they could have Bethlehem. Anything. Yeah, I, I just uh, thought I had to have I incorporate them somehow, so I did it. And, and Tom, are you completely self-taught in all this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my dad started me out in woodworking. He had a shop down in you know, when when I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, he had a, a woodworking shop, and my grandfather had a woodworking shop. So, you know, I grew up around all that stuff. But uh, building models and stuff was always kind of my thing. Yeah, I never yeah. did the plastic models. I always did my own because we couldn't afford it. I mean, we were a poor huh. farm, com- and mm-hmm. it was just uh, you know, if you got a plastic model, you got it for your birthday maybe. Well, there's a fellow who, in 1997, during the 50th anniversary, he had come to quite a lot of fame because he made the model that the um, the famous model people forget the name of the famous oh the model. testers oh uh, the testers Roswell craft model yeah That's oh okay I forget who the fellow is but I remember he was very prickly about his uh, I think his copyrights and stuff because. Um, I just sort of knew about him, and I believe we couldn't get a photograph because he was very prickly about his copyright and stuff. So I wonder. Uh, I, I don't care if anybody else wants to copy what I got out there. More power to you. I spend hours building this stuff, so if they want to spend hours doing it, they can go for it. Well, have you yeah. uh, started and failed at anything yet? Have you uh, just not been able to do something that someone's asked for? Well, Chris asked for a ball of lightning, so I, that I haven't done yet. And um, you know, there's a couple of models out there. Now, I just uh, did a, a model for a sheriff. He's retired now in McCluskey, North Dakota. They have, it's on, the, um, on my website. It's the diamond-shaped black uh, craft that they, him and his wife had go right over the top of their house, and they sit out in the backyard and watch this thing. In the windows in the top, they said they could actually see humanoid figures in this thing. That's and he did an okay. actually police report mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. I've heard of this. And, this and what happened to that police report? And that's the fascinating thing to me that I've heard. I mean, Roger Lear told me a story like that. Um, uh, Ted Rowe told me a story like that. Um what were the humanoid figures like? Contact, uh, Dale Brown with the uh, North Dakota MUFON chapter. He is the uh, chairman, and he has a copy of that report. Wow. I will do that. I will do that. It is when they noticed those figures, did they, those humanoid figures in the craft, 
were the figures, did they get the sense that the figures were aware of their presence, of a human presence? I don't, I, I don't know, Bill. I, you know, I didn't really go into it that deep with him. I just heard the story. You know, they were up on, on the podium talking about it, and that's... Nobody I mean, the thing, the thing that struck me that Ted Rose uh, it's, was it's, that the, the humanoid figure actually looked at him as it passed over his car and seemed to well, kind of recognize him and nod. They were at home, and it went over the top of their house, and, and they said it was uh, silhouettes of, of humanoid people. That's what, they, what, it, what it looked like. So. And, and to find this report, this is Dale Brown, who has Dale, reported... No, Dale... Dale <laughs> I'm sorry. Neil Brown is the Lupin uh, chapter chairman up there. He is he's the uh, okay the, the head of their their chapter, and he has a copy of it. I had it at one time on my computer, but I can't. I've had a computer crash, and some of my files disappeared. So okay, cool. Um, not okay. to mention my phone's crashing and everything else. So I don't know. Maybe I have been visited and don't know it. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you'll. Mm-hmm. You'll if there's a if there's a suspicious chain of events, one thing leads to another. You'll you know you don't want to get paranoid though. No, I I don't think it's uh, ET is visiting me crashing my computer on my phone, but it it may be our own government doing that. So. Well, yeah, that's what. Well, I think don't you when you build these things, you must wonder. I'm sure you um, you heard the Roswell reports that it felt like balsa wood and it felt like. Uh, you know, the memory metal. And so when you're building them, um, you must, you know, wonder about this kind of stuff, how they were made, what, you know, what they're, uh, they are often considered uh, tiny. A lot of people talk about them being really small, you know, like. Small uh, people, small yes. beans, yeah. yeah. But in order to fit into a craft that size, you know, uh, you would have to be miniature size, I would imagine. Right, and just like the Doctor Who uh, uh, phone booth, which is called the something. The, well, I often wonder if they lay down in there, or if they, you know. No, the inside or, is uh, the inside is supposedly bigger than the outside. You see, oh. what is uh, <laughs> angels? Angels on mute. What is the name of the thing that the Doctor Who person flies in? And it's the time. It's the spaceship, and it's the time machine, and it looks like a. What is it called? It's the angels totally sleeping at the wheel. Um, you he guys, may not, he may not be here. I don't know the name. Only thing I can go back is thinking is one of my classics, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes, when they kind of ah, did the same yeah. thing, and they used yes. the the telephone booth. And yeah. uh, so, what a great movie it was! But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, thank you, Doctor Who. Tardis, thank you. It's uh, finally yes. Someone in chat. I think it's Walba. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of Doctor Who. You walk in the phone booth into a great big room. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And so when you're building your your uh, models, you know, you have to build Do the I inside. Do I think about that kind of stuff? No, I, I think about how to make sure I get it chucked on the on the lathe right and and are my tools sharp. And <laughs> So you, you're no, not I, trying to build the inside bigger than the outside. That would be, no. that's madness, you know. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that... Um, uh, a Roswell witness, Earl Fulford, um, said that he recognized was when we painted um, a sheet of celluloid acetate 
in this bright reflective material like reflective sunglasses, mm-hmm. um, this mirror-like uh, uh, this mirror-like coating. He said that reminded him exactly of what the memory metal looked like when he was picking it up from the debris field. So I'm wondering if you ever wanted to coat one of your craft with one of your models with um, very light celluloid acetate painted silver. I did. I did. That's the one in Bismarck. Oh, it is. If you'll if you'll check those pictures out, you'll see that. Mm-hmm that I have that uh, that uh, real stretchy plastic material and it's yeah. just, uh, it's mirrored is what it is. Mm-hmm. Wh- and which, it, it um, gives the reflective material. It's the one that was on the on the uh, stands that roll around the platform. Okay, the big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the big one. You also have a Nazi bell here, do you not? Nazi uh, bell. I, I do. Uh, that's... Uh, just something I saw, and I, I tried to turn it on my lathe, and it came out pretty good, so I continued on with it. And, and you know, where did you first come across the, the Nazi bell? I saw that on uh, TV. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember that. Uh, what did you What did you think it was when you first saw that? What, what impression did that, you I. Listened to the article and I thought, well, maybe this is feasible with the mercury spinning inside at high temperatures. Maybe they've they've stepped into another realm uh, of the universe with this thing. And it, to me, it, I wouldn't put it past Hitler from doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except Hitler ignored the thing. But this, um, I always believed that the bell was. Um, an enricher, an enrichment facility for plutonium. I mean, that was always my theory. I mean, we had one at Los Alamos, but I mean, I was always thinking that it would, uh, that they were enriching plutonium for a weapon. And that's why they called it the wonder weapon. Um, There was this person who, I believe worked for um, the, the BLT research group um, and his name was Nick Ryder. And he said that he actually tried to build a miniature version of this and he was using heavy liquid metal in counter rotating cylinders, just like the bell, the Glocka. Mm-hmm. And he said that what happened was as it spun, it began to generate a radioactive field. And he knew he was playing with something that he shouldn't be playing with, so he stopped it. But he said it's feasible that that would have generated that level of a radioactive field, and that's why so many people died in the construction of this thing. Well, wasn't that uh, acorn that landed in Philadelphia supposed to be part of the bell or something like that? Uh, that's one was, of the big questions. That it was Kecksburg yeah, in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was Kecksburg. Yeah. We, and it we, was, have a, we have a fellow right, or a person, a human, in chat alive right now who lives in Kecksburg. Ah, and he mm-hmm. can talk about it. Or she. Yeah, just saying. Kecksburg is, is still a mystery. I mean, has Kecksburg been, and this is where we need Amy. Amy, I don't know whether she's listening or not tonight, but I believe she, we had someone on recently who. Who said that it was a missile warhead. I mean, it was, yes. it was, a, it was a capsule. Yeah, and um, Bill Scott, who 
basically the resident aviation expert said, absolutely not. That, that, that thing was incapable that the device that this person said this was, and I forget the name of the device, he said was incapable of doing that kind of navigation coming down from Earth orbit. It, it just didn't have the capability of doing that. Right, and, and if I'm else. not mistaken, uh, Amy, who has lots of history on the Russian uh, space program, also didn't agree that it was you know, the Russian thing that the, the, our guests... You know, one of the theories that people play with, of course, that that's exactly that Kecksburg object actually was the Nazi bell that disappeared from the Owl Mountains in Poland in 1945 and suddenly winds up back in 20 years later in 1965 in, in Pennsylvania and because the person who was the engineer in the SS officer, the electrical engineer who was in charge of the Nazi bell was this person, Kurt Davis, who turned up in Kecksburg in 1965 retrieving this object. It was NASA who retrieved this object. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He came over an Operation Paperclip. Yeah. If somebody comes knocking on your garage door, I would certainly think it's going to be NASA or our government, you know, before uh, aliens. You know, I think aliens were just going to give you a, sh- a handshake saying, you know. I, I, I would love to, to uh, build models for NASA, but uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm that good to do that. Uh, but uh, the guy in Bismarck, North Dakota, when I did build the full-size one, he bought those V-Pan aliens. They're about four and a half feet tall. They're fiberglass. I don't know if you guys have seen them. Yeah, uh, yes, I have. The grays. Yes. He bought yeah. four of those at 500 bucks a pop. And he's got them out around the uh, spacecraft. And the only thing that comes come to mind every time I go out there and see that is the movie, uh, You Build It, They Will Come. You know? <laughs> and, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, Bill, what are you and Nancy coming to Fargo, North Dakota? We'll throw you a parade like we're doing for ESPN right now, downtown Fargo. The, well, Why is there a parade for ESPN in downtown Fargo? Well, I call it a parade. Uh, they bring their whole production crew up here, and they're doing something on uh, college football, and they close off all the streets and just inconvenience the heck out of everybody. I'd be so, part of yeah. them. Boy, I love football. It's just in my blood. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I now, wouldn't walk across yeah. the street to watch it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just that kind of a person. Well, uh, one last one I want to talk about because we're getting low here on time is the Kenneth Arnold one. Um, oh, that's, that's a very nice one you did. It is, and it's it's a great thing to do. It's, this is where a picture, and all we have are drawings of of what Kenneth Arnold said he saw. A picture really helps in this case, or a model really, you know, is way better to look at. And it's uh, it's perma- it's in the Roswell Museum as well, right? I've never been there, so I, I couldn't tell you. Well, where is your Kenneth Arnold? Where, uh, where, who has your Kenneth Arnold? Um, it looks like it's in a museum case. Uh, maybe it's my mistake. Um, uh, Thomas Reed is the only family I ever uh, built a model for. Uh, I don't know Kenneth Arnold. Wait, okay, so in your slideshow, you okay. will see a Kenneth Arnold thing go by. I put it up also on uh, Future Theater. Is that not yours? Let me go to my uh, website. Check <laughs> yeah, it it's out. The cres- it's the crescent-shaped. It's the crescent-shaped yeah. um, discs. Yeah. 
crescent-shaped disks. Kenneth Arnold. Well, you can go to Future Theater too, and go down to the to the, there. There it is, right on your slideshow. Um, it's next to the last, almost in your slide. No, your slideshow is a carousel. So I don't know where it is in there, but it's in there. If you drop down below that slideshow, and they're mm-hmm. all frozen there. And if you don't see it, you just hit the little uh, icon that says uh, "Show uh, More" show underneath more. it. Yeah. I didn't see that. Sorry. Okay. So which one are you looking for, Nancy? It's not in there. It's only in your slideshow. No. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me see. There's show more. There's the show. one that shows the two little ships with the red dots yes, on them? Yes, it's, yeah. it's, yes. It's a, it's second row from the bottom, middle. Mm. And there's show mm-hmm. more still. So wait. Third row from oh, the bottom. Oh, okay. Okay, the boomerang ones. I saw him on TV showing that stuff, and I just thought they looked kind of cool, so I made them. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Well, they're they're actually really nice. I mean, I have to say, the fascinating thing about that is that for years people were saying, "Well, he saw discs, yes. but he didn't." I mean, he actually saw these crescent shaped. Yeah, objects. this is testimony, and I've heard that story too that the government made him change his sighting uh, report, but I don't think he did. Did he? No. What he did was he he. He actually thought when he saw these things, they were in a, a kind of a Chevron formation. He mm-hmm. said that he thought that he was looking at very advanced test aircraft from the Air Force. He never, never thought they were extraterrestrial. Well, how did the flying saucer name get attributed to these things? Because what they were doing when he watched them, they were like... Moving leaves, through the air. They were like leaves fluttering down. Well, they weren't more like leaves, but what we're doing was they were like visible than invisible, than visible than invisible. So it's like they were skipping. You know, they would suddenly skip ahead. So Kenneth Arnold, when he landed, um, when he, he, he brought his plane down, and he was telling folks at the airport, he said they were skimming through the air like a saucer skims across the surface of water. Like okay. you're skimming a stone, which it's up and down and up and down. And so a local newspaper reporter that heard that, he coined the term flying saucer. Yeah, it was a newspaper reporter that, that term, yeah, it was uh, news- coined that term. Yeah, uh, it was never did, Kenneth Arnold. Did you have that name registered or something? No. That's the oh. funny part about it. That was, that was simply a newspaper report that, that described the way Kenneth Arnold, he said a saucer skipping, um, uh, uh, skipping through the air. And he said, oh, it's a flying saucer. And that's what made the headlines. And that name stuck from 1947 to the present. Wow. Yeah, and that's why I thought that was a commission to kind of try to prove to the world that this was not, these were, you know, there have been unusual shapes. As you can see, triangular shapes, uh, saucer shapes, orb shapes, um, and they have changed over the years. The uh, the um, what? Okay, right below the Kenneth Arnold one in the list is another. It's this is the what is this one? This is the one that has the bulbs underneath the, the sort of big balls underneath. Um, I want to say Adamski. Does that ring a bell? Which oh, one? oh, the 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 uh, the, the Nazi. Uh that's not yeah. Nazi. It's, it's a German Army uh, UFO. Yes, I forget the uh, name. It's yeah, like, uh, the Hanubu UFO. Yes, the Hanubu. The Hanubu. UFO. Yeah. 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 
Cool. That, that was another one that was spinning, and, and uh, I just had some big wooden balls, and I went, what the heck, I can put those under a UFO. And, and I started uh, taking some of the pictures off of the websites, and, and that popped up, so I thought I'd make it. Hanubu, yeah. It, it, a it's lot actually of people... sitting in Florida. Uh, there's a guy in Florida that bought a lot of my models there, too. Outside you of should the actually, you know, uh, you should actually do your own museum. <laughs> yeah, I don't have enough space. <laughs> the history of crafts. Well, well um, some people feel that's the biggest negative about UFOs in general. They have changed over the cent- over the last hundred years, sort of uh, from Kenneth Arnold's to uh, you know. Yeah, uh, we're not doing the saucer, the fifty saucer yes. anymore, and everybody's doing different things. Well. Just like we change cars, don't you think ETs and, and different ETs coming from different parts of the galaxy have different ships? I would think so. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder because some of them do look like 50s dream machines. And then, you know, the the new flying, tr- the triangles look a little more like stealth bombers. So it's sort of, it does make you wonder if they're all, uh, uh, you know, um, is it all our our own stuff? That were just simply. Well, I, I got a real short story. I'll tell you real quick. Go ahead. Kind of, kind of floored me. Uh, my father is a very straight-laced military guy. He uh, worked for the VA hospitals and came out of the military for many years. And if that guy ever cracked a joke, I'd fall on the floor. Um, but mm-hmm. when he saw my newspaper article on that first full-size UFO that I built, he said, "You know, Tom." And this guy's 89 years old. He said, when I came out of the war in 1942, I was standing on the front porch with my neighbor. We were drinking a beer. And we looked up in the sky, and this solar disc was standing there looking at us. Mm. And once it noticed that we were paying attention to it, it disappeared in a heartbeat. And, wow. you know, my, that just floored me. My father would never, unless it was real, he wouldn't have said anything like that. Wow. And yeah. and, and it was just seeing your model that... that- Got him to that say that. That sparked his interest again. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Hmm. But and he, he buried that. And he buried that for all those years. All those mm-hmm. years, he buried it because you know, in his mind, that kind of stuff doesn't exist. And back in 1942, it didn't. Right. And and of course, it's he's still seeing this today. In, right. But I mean, he's seeing this in 1942, five years before Kenneth Arnold and Roswell. Sure. Wow. Yep. Yeah. That's true. And where yeah, was he, he living when he this, saw this? He was standing in Fargo, North Dakota, on the north north end of town. And uh, they were in a duplex. And he was standing there talking to the neighbor on the back porch. It was a hot summer day. And they were just standing there back then. Everybody drank a beer, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, did and the neighbor were, see it also, I wonder? He never elaborated any more than what I just told you. Yeah. Well. And, you know, he's that kind of guy. He just doesn't. He didn't talk wow. about the war. He doesn't want to talk about you know, his personal feelings. Those kind of things don't exist. Wow. So that's why it kind of bored me when he said this. So. Yeah, everybody and, reacts differently. And, and how many years ago? Well, I mean, and he s- said this to you when he saw your model. Yeah, when he first saw the first one that I was making for Halloween, the full-size one, the newspaper article came out. I took it by their house and I showed it to him. That's when my mom was still alive. I guess that was about six years ago. Mm-hmm. So since then, I've started making these little models, and 
he just kind of shrugs his shoulder and walks off. I've showed him to him, but he doesn't pay any attention to him. So, well, we are. I think yeah. we are. We are totally uh, coming up on midnight. So we are okay. So we are out of time. We are out of time. So um, we will announce our guest for next week. We don't have one yet, but uh, I want to thank uh-huh. Tom Jensen for joining us and sharing his okay. photographs, uh, which are fabulous, and these models. Go to Tom Jensen's website, which is linked to Future Theater. Um, if you yourself would like a model, mm-hmm. these are not instant things. You have to no. order them in advance, but um, talk to Tom. And I'll be happy we to work with them, and we'll get something set up for them. Thank you. Yes, and thank you for joining us, and, and, and thank you, Chris, and thank you, Angel. We are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Good night, everybody. Good night. Signing off on Future Theater Live on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network, and we'll see everybody next week. <laughs>